0: If I truly believe and trust God, what will I be doing? I will be walking with Him. If I say I believe and I am not walking with God, then I am a liar. And everyone who does not believe in Jesus, we could all honestly say they are certainly not walking with Him.
1: Is there something holding you back from following Jesus? In our 15th episode, Father Ward underscores this struggle as we continue with Life's Meaning and Purpose, an in-depth study of the Gospel of John. Hello and welcome to the Transforming Lives Together podcast. The sixth chapter in John's Gospel contains one of the toughest teachings Jesus gave about himself. It was so difficult that it caused many of his disciples to walk away. It's easy for us to believe, to enjoy the high times of our spiritual walk when everything is going right. A deeper study of Christ's ministry, however, reveals that the road to eternal life is paved with struggle, with sacrifice, and with death. Jesus calls us to follow, and that following means denying ourselves and taking up our cross, which is not a popular or attractive message today. Before we turn it over to Father Ward, we would like to say thank you for tuning in. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you each week, and we are grateful for your time. Please listen through to the end to learn how you can connect with this podcast and with all that is happening at St. Bartholomew's Anglican Church. And now... With this week's lesson in the Gospel of John, here is Father Board.
0: So Jesus says, do not work. So here's the motivation. All right, their motivation's wrong, but this is what you want. This is how you set your motivation right. Jesus says, verse 27, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. Okay, the title of this study is Life's Meaning and Purpose. You've got it right there, right? Everybody works for the food that perishes because we have to eat, we have to live. Everybody works so that we'll have a house and we'll have clothes and we have nice things. Everybody works for those reasons. That's what drives this world. But Jesus is saying there's more to this life than these physical elements. There's more to this life than just the visible world. So rather, work for the food which endures to eternal life, that which lasts, which the Son of Man will give to you, it's a gift, for on him the Father God has set his seal. So in that simple verse, Jesus highlights what really should motivate us and highlights who he is. And that simply parallels what he says in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Don't build up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but rather build up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Same thing. just being said in a different way. Verse 28, Therefore they said to Him, What shall we do? So that we may work the works of God. Ah, so he's uh, piqued their interest. So, how can we do this? How can we work for the food which endures to eternal life? Jesus answers. He says to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. Say, Wow, that's awfully pretty easy, right? Well, on the surface, it is, but it involves more than just simple belief. It means trusting God each and every day. That's how you work for the food that endures to eternal life. Keep Him first. Make sure his, your relationship with Him is your priority. Make sure you're taking care of that before all else. But that's very hard for us because we're creatures of habit, and we're creatures of this world. And so oftentimes those things that we think are most urgent take precedent over those things that are really most important. The spiritual. And so, if the first was a rebuke to materialism, who don't merely work for the food that perishes. It's rebuking materialism. The second is rebuking self-sufficiency, just trusting in yourself. If I'm believing in Him, in Christ, I'm trusting in Christ rather than myself. That's the sin of Adam and Eve, trusting in themselves rather than God. Determining what's right and wrong according to what they determine is right and wrong rather than God. Why do you think you and I will, if you get into a discussion with people out on the street, if you get into the discussion with anybody, whether it be in the college, in the workplace, school, the courts, capital, whatever, You're going to get these folks who say, well, that's your opinion. I don't believe that's God's law. I don't believe that's God's rule. I think this. Or so and so, the prophet Muhammad says this. Well, folks, there's only one standard. There's only one law. It's been revealed in the person and life of Jesus. And it has been confirmed by him what is the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, that that which is consistent, God's law, God's rule, who God is, what He expects, how we're saved. That doesn't change. That's His standard. See, it's not that complicated. You either trust God and His Word or you don't. And people make all sorts of excuses, engage in mental gymnastics, to somehow rationalize and justify what they think is right. And we're going to see how there's a thing that can happen to people that gets in the way. But even when this happens, Jesus says you've got to keep trusting. got to keep believing. But it comes a little later in the chapter. Verse 30, So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Okay, so here we go. They, re- they don't want to trust. They want to see more. Give me more, Lord. They've already done seen a lot. But they want more. Ah, there's the flesh coming. Flesh is never satisfied. Always wants more, more, more. Verse 31. They then appeal to Moses and what God did through Moses when they were in the wilderness. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. Exodus chapter 16. As it is written, He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. What are they getting into the habit that today happens? They are trusting in the religion. They are trusting in the church. They are trusting in the leader rather than trusting in God. This happens in churches. It's pathetic. You want to see Father Ward get going, man. When I hear these these professors in religious institutions and priests in schools and in churches teach religion, teach tradition, rather than teach a relationship with the living God in Christ, my goodness gracious, they're falling into the same trap that the Pharisees and the Sadducees fell into. It's the same thing that Jesus is dealing with here. They're not getting it. And we'll see that they continue to not get it to the very end. And then, 33, For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven, giving and gives life to the world. So that is actually translating the Greek, ongoing. It's a present. It isn't like a past thing. This manna in the wilderness, that's past. And they all died anyway. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. That is a statement of ultimate authority and certainty that Jesus is this bread. And just as he mentioned to the Samaritan woman in chapter 4, that by trusting in him, you will have living water flow up from your soul, or in your soul and your spirit, it's eternal. You have the same imagery here. But the, what's different is now Jesus is beginning the first of the seven I Am statements I Am, identifying Him with the great I Am that appeared to Moses in the burning bush. He is the great I Am that provided the manna in the wilderness 2,000 years earlier. But it's more than just providing, it's His very person, His very essence verse 36 but I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe all that the father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me this is the will of him who sent me that all that of all that he has given me I lose nothing but raise it up on the last but raise it up on the last day so what Jesus is doing is he's pointing to the fact that we believe in spirit. We enter into relationship, but our body, our flesh, our bread won't be totally renewed until Christ's second coming, until his return. That's what the last day means. That's when our bodies will be fully transformed and resurrected. Resurrected. Verse 40, for this is the will of my Father that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Now notice that in verse 39, the Father will raise us up. This is the will of him who sent me that all of all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. And now the Son is doing the raising. Both the Father and the the Holy Spirit. They're all in conjunction working together verse 41 therefore the Jews were grumbling about him because he said I am the bread that came down out of heaven there's three types of people in the world there's the people who are outside of the church there's the people who are in the church and are grumbling and there's the people in the church who aren't grumbling right nothing worse than grumblers by the way the older I get I get more tolerant in certain areas but I get less tolerant in other areas can't handle gr- I can handle them I can't stand them though. Can't stand grumblers. Can't stand people who are overly critical. Can't stand people who are negative in the church. No business for that type of behavior not in the church. I expect that out there. I want you to keep a finger in this page and please go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 14. I want us all to read this verse together. Of course they're probably different translations, but it's pretty much similar. What does it say? Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain so what does the apostle paul what does god's word say to us do all things without grumbling or disputing now look at how jesus responds to these grumblers they were saying verse 42 is not this jesus the son of joseph whose father and mother we know how does he now say i have come down out of heaven Jesus answered and said to them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. So what is Jesus' command, not just advice, but command to the grumblers? Two things. We all should remember this every day. Do not grumble, but believe in me. Don't grumble, but trust in the Lord. Keep moving forward. And then verse 48, Jesus repeats himself. Remember, you've heard me say it. I'm like a broken record. Anything that's important, God always says two to three times. He confirms it. So Jesus says it a second time I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If, so it's another way of saying that this isn't just bread again, this is alive if anyone eats of this bread he will live forever and the bread also which i will give for the life of the world is my flesh now we're going from the spiritual truth of jesus as the source of life just as bread is the source of natural life he is the source of spiritual life and eternal life jesus now is going to his actual body his actual flesh and there's a reason for that verse 32 then the jews began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and so Son of Man, that's his, his humanity, highlighting his humanity and also that he's the Messiah, and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. Now he repeats himself. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The third time, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Three times. What's significant about his flesh and blood? Now, they didn't understand the significance at that point. But what Jesus was doing was saying that his flesh and blood, his body, his death on the cross is the only means For salvation, there is no other means by which someone can be saved except for his death on the cross. Think about this for a moment. If there was any other way that one could get into heaven except through the cross of Christ. Now, I don't know how that's always appropriated. That's a whole other question. What I mean by appropriated is that there are some people who don't get an opportunity to receive or even know Jesus in this life. So I don't know how it's appropriated, but the bottom line is no one can stand before the Father. No one can enter into eternity, eternal life, except by virtue of what Jesus has done on the cross. Because if there's any other way, if there's anything, that means that what he did on the cross is not good enough. It's not sufficient. And that's why Jesus uses such stark language, such explicit language. You've got to eat the flesh. You've got to drink the blood. Now they immediately were thinking his own flesh and blood. And Jesus corrects that thinking. Let's continue. We'll wrap things up with these final words. As a living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. Now again, if we're talking about food, what do you do with food? You eat food. If I don't eat food, I'm going to die. Now I know that today we have the technology they can put me intravenously. But back then they didn't have IVs. Alright, uh, he will also live because of me. So it's all because of Christ. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Cabernet. So John kind of just puts the perspective, the context. This is in a synagogue as he's teaching. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? I mean, they're like, this is too much for even us. But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? In other words, don't let, remember how I said later on we're going to see an obstacle that keeps people from believing. Some people will not believe because they can't understand. Some people will not believe because they're upset at God. Some people will not believe because things aren't in order the way they want them in order. And what Jesus is saying is, you're not going to believe because you can't understand this? Don't believe simply because you get your bellies filled. Don't believe simply because you understand, get all understanding. No, believe because of who I am. 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Okay, here's the key. I did a whole sermon on this, remember, about six weeks ago. Here's the key. The outward manifestation of what we do is not which is most important. What validates the outward, what validates us eating the flesh and the drinking the blood is not the physical act. What validates it is the spiritual reality that it represents. And so that spiritual reality of Christ's body and blood being the means of our salvation and the means of our life is then demonstrated tangibly during our worship, during Holy Communion. What's fascinating about John's Gospel is that John's Gospel, unlike the synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, does not include what we would call the words of institution or the words of jesus when he takes the passover meal and he takes the bread and he says this is my body and he takes the cup of wine and says this is my blood john doesn't include it he includes the last supper but he doesn't include those words why because he already knew they were talked about in the other three what he gives us is the theological foundation and understanding of why Christ's death was necessary and the means that it gives us life and why theologically we have Holy Communion. Now, there are some Protestants, look at some of your study Bibles, where they'll say, well, Jesus did not have communion in mind at all here because communion had not been established. And it has nothing to do with communion because then it can give the impression that someone has to drink the, uh, drink the wine and, and take the bread in order to have eternal life. That's not, that's taking it too far. That's the same thing as if you were saying that baptism, the actual act of baptism is necessary. No, it's what it represents. Now, we're in the Catholic tradition. Anglican, right? English, Reformed Catholic. And there's the Roman Catholic, and the Greek Catholic. We understand that something, now we don't go as far as the Roman Catholics, because we don't believe that the, the, the body and blood is the actual body and blood that was the same on the cross. But we believe there's a spiritual transformation. And the reason why we eat and we drink is because it highlights this reality of the importance of Christ's body, his death on the cross, but it also outwardly demonstrates our relationship with God. As I take in the body and blood, it is an outward visible manifestation of the restoration that is taking place in me spiritually and ultimately physically. And just as sin entered through an act of disobedience by eating, Adam and Eve ate from the tree, Now, by an act of eating, we are being restored. And so when Jesus says, it's not the flesh that profits, it doesn't profit me simply coming up here and taking, if I come up here and I take the cup and I eat the bread, and that's all I do, and I think that's what saves me, that's wrong. That's trusting in the flesh. But if I am taking the cup and drinking and eating the the bread, right? And I understand this is the body and blood of Jesus. And it is his gift for me. And I'm just affirming that this new day he's given me, that he is my all in all. And it's my expression of worship. Do you see the difference? Amen. And that's why when Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, God seeks worshipers to worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. It's not the physical. The physical is important. That's why we have physical bread. That's why Jesus said this is bread. But it goes beyond that. What's most important is the spiritual reality just like I often preach. That what's most important in life is not what we see because everything we see could not be here unless it was first thought out in the invisible realm of the mind. Everything you use, everything you do does not happen until it's first is decided in the heart, in the mind, in the spirit realm. Okay, let's conclude now. Verse 64, But there are some of you who do not believe For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would believe him. And he was saying, for this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. That's the great mystery. Why do some people believe, some people don't? I don't know, but Jesus is saying that if you do believe, it's granted by the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Can you believe this? Many. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. There you go. I don't might not understand everything, but where else am I going to go? That's why I said to everybody here, where else are you going to go, man? You going to go to Islam? You going to go to the cults? Are you going to go to philosophy? Are you going to go to pagan religion? Are you going to go to materialism? Are you going to go to science? Where else are you going to go other than Jesus Christ? No one even close in terms of how he articulates the realities of life and love and why we're here and where we're going and why we have the problems we have in terms of sin and death and suffering. No one else. Mm -hmm. And then Peter affirms, We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to... Betray Him. So He knew ahead of time. Notice one last thing here. What it says in verse 66, His disciples withdrew and were not walking with Him anymore. It's not enough to believe. If I truly believe and trust God, what will I be doing? I will be walking with Him. If I say I believe and I am not walking with God, then I am a liar. And everyone who does not believe in Jesus, we could all honestly say they are certainly not walking with him. So belief always is demonstrated in tangible action. And of course, there are a lot of different ways that uh, John highlights that. One of them would be the metaphor of walking, of being with him.
1: You have been listening to the Transforming Lives Together podcast, a ministry of St. Bartholomew's Anglican Church in Tonawanda, New York. For more information about the church including a list of our service times please visit our website at www.stbartston.org Again that's www.stbartston.org If you're enjoying this podcast please leave us a five star rating or a positive review Both will help in reaching more people with this podcast If you're on Facebook Head over to Facebook.com slash Transforming Lives Together Podcast. Again, that's Facebook.com slash Transforming Lives Together Podcast and give us a like. We hope you will tune in next time as we sit down with Father Ward for a question and answer session about his life's meaning and purpose Bible study. Until then, we leave you with these verses from Deuteronomy. When you have eaten and are satisfied, Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. God bless.